Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 13th episode. You know, one of my favorite topics I love to talk about is team culture. I am fascinated by how football programs go about creating culture, sustaining culture, putting the right pillars and the right messages in place for players to, to buy into the culture. I also love how athletes go about living the culture on and off the field. So with that being said, I'm going to do a three-part series on team culture. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have three football coaches from at the high school level and the collegiate level to talk about their culture and their perspective on team culture. So my first guest, Coach Patrick Walsh, head varsity football coach at Sarah High School, who has been coaching for over 21 years, 17 years at Sarah High School, We'll be talking a lot about his perspective on developing culture, his culture at Sarah High School, and also the culture that he was brought up in, which was at De La Salle High School. We're going to hear a lot of intimate, really interesting, cool perspectives from from Coach Walsh. He's going to talk about the pillars that make up his culture, but a lot of his culture is based around trust, faith, relationships, brotherhood, humility, and love. More often than not, when you think of team culture, it's something that is tangible, something that you see, something that you hear. But something that Coach Walsh said in my interview that was really powerful, he said, if I could have other opponents, other coaches, other athletes walk on my campus and feel our culture, he goes, that is powerful. And since I've been with the program for the last couple of years, I have definitely felt it. I have definitely heard it. I've, I've tasted it. I've been ingrained in this culture for the last couple of years, which has been a beautiful thing. And when you think about how strong the culture that Coach Walsh and his program has created, it shows testament to his team or to our team last year, the 2016 Padres, where we started off 0-4 and won 10 in a row and went to the state championships. Coach Walsh is going to talk a little bit about that journey and why this team bought into the culture and never gave up on the culture. And it was just a beautiful experience, not only to be a part of the program, but to stepping back as a coach, looking at how the coaches dealt with adversity, how the administration, the parents, the athletes, we all came together even when things were going our direction. We, we believed in ourselves and we believed in the culture. So... I am very excited and honored to have Coach Walsh on my show. You're going to learn a lot about culture. I know if you're an athlete or you're a coach, you're going to take away something really, really, really powerful from this conversation. So let's go talk to Coach Walsh. Hey, Coach. How are you? I'm doing good, Grant. Thanks for having me. Looking you, forward to it. You bet, man. I, I'm really excited to have you on my show. I think my, most of my listeners know that in the previous episodes that I've recorded, I talk about my experience coaching at Sarah High School. Obviously, I understand your culture, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. I've experienced it, and I've lived it, but I want my, my listeners to understand it from your point of view. I okay. want other coaches and athletes to understand it, because I think the, what you have done in the last 17 years at Sarah High School has been incredible, mm -hmm. and coming off the year that you did this year, going to this, the state championships for the first time, starting 0-4, which we'll definitely get into that season, just wanted you to talk a little bit about today, like, what culture means to you, how you create it, how you sustain it, and how you protect it. So right. before we get into that, 
I always ask all of my, my guests what mentally tough means to them. So what does mentally tough mean to you? Well, that's a, that's a kind of a broad topic, mentally tough. But really, if I, if I was to boil it down, um, you know, mentally, the, the mentally tough people that I know, the mentally tough athletes that I know, they're just, they're basically unflappable. Mm-hmm. And there's something that resonates deep inside of them that doesn't really alter their personality. It doesn't alter their behavior one way or another. Um, and the mentally tough people I know are just steadfast on their, on their mission, whatever mission that may be. And it could be in work, could be in business, could be in athletics. It's just, they have a singular vision on what, where they're going to be, where their team's going to be, whatever. And they don't waver. It's, it's just kind of an, this is it. This is what we're doing. This is the plan. And along the way, life is not linear. It's never linear. Uh, that kind of mental toughness approach to that endeavor keeps those people on track. So that's kind of what mental toughness is to me. Awesome. Awesome. Now, being the head coach for Sarah for the last 17 years, and I'm sure that you've came across a ton of athletes. Do Is there any athletes, maybe one or two or three, that are just, that come to mind that have been mentally, that are just a, the example of being mentally tough for you? Well, I mean... It, Probably because it's not only most recent, but also just the season and the stats and everything speak for itself. But Sitaleki Nunn, also known as Lecky Nunn, uh, quarterback for us, was just so ridiculously mentally tough and, and, and did about it in a, a great spiritual way. It wasn't kind of a boisterous leadership style. It was just more like that, that whole vision on, on where we're going to be and what we're going to do together. And everybody jumped on board with him. I, I can, uh, David Bakhtiari is another one that comes to mind. He's the left tackle for the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a just a great leader, mentally tough. I mean, he he developed mental toughness, which was fun to see. Awesome. You know, we, we've had some really good runners. Um, T.C. LeVoux is a great linebacker for us. Uh, James Altman was a linebacker we had. He's now playing baseball at Sacramento State. Just a... I mean, you know, you did never get a kid like James Altman off track. So there, there's been a, there's been a lot, uh, too many to, to to mention. But I've been fortunate enough to be around in a school in an environment where there's been some really rich kind of heritage of of leaders and athletes. Right, right, exactly. You know, and and I agree with you with with Lecky and 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 uh, TC Lavu. I agree; those guys have been incredible. Focus, not arrogant. Right. Believed in the culture, believed in the values, and they lived it every day. So, you know, speaking of culture, the past 17 years you've been the coach, what was the culture like at Sarah on day one? Interesting. I'll never forget it. I came into the, the gym. I had a kind of a full program meeting, introduced myself, and, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't really know exactly what I was getting myself into. Obviously, I wasn't there prior to that. And pretty much all I knew was De La Salle High School football. That's right. all I knew. I coached there for three years. I played there, you know, for four, obviously. So, and then just growing up, I just wanted to be a De La Salle Spartan, you know, one of the best programs in the country. Right. And that's all I knew. And it's kind of what I expected. Mm-hmm. I did because I didn't really know. I didn't know the perspective. I'd never been away from it. So when I got there and, and, and the, just the, the general work ethic of De La Salle, the, the buy-in, of De La Salle, just like, here's how we do it, here's how we're going to do it, and here's why we're going to do it. It was just kind of there, and I assumed it would be like that everywhere, just because I didn't know anything different. 
but it was entirely different when we, you know, when it was all said and done in 2001, it was entirely different. And there was a lot of why there was a lot of like, why, why are we going to do that? Right. Why do we have to wake up at six in the morning to work out? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. So there was a level of convincing that I, you know, that we had to break down when I first got there that I, I didn't think that was going to happen. I just didn't know any different. So that's, I think, where the word experience comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, if I went to another school or, you know, each and every year there's a level of convincing, like, here's why we're doing it. Right. And that's what you're talking about with culture is building a culture, uh, you know. But on that first day, early 2001, it was like, oh, boy, you know. And it wasn't really till I got through the entire year that I could look back. So let's call it day 365. And I was like, wow, I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> and we started out six and out. Wow. Uh, and, and, and we ended up six and four. So there was a rude awakening there early that, you know, like, hey, I come over from De La Salle, we're going to win 151 games in a row. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> right. And we started that way. I'll never forget we beat Bellarmine on a, on a, uh, the, uh, the night game, one of the night games we have at Sarah on, on a 98 yard slant route. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be easy. This is great. We're six and now we beat the longtime rival and, and then four straight, like, wow. Yeah. Poundings. Wow. So that was, that was a, a real wake up call. And I, I knew that I had to spend more time kind of building the culture to where we wanted it to be. Okay. Now, how hard is it as a head coach to, like like what you're saying, selling, getting them to buy in. How hard is that to to not only to do that period, but do that year after year? Yeah, it's very hard, and I think really it goes back to why the why, um, and that starts with the leader. It starts with me. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I in this? Why am I coaching? And what is the ultimate outcome of that? Right. And you know, I've I've you know, shaped it and reformed it and the things in my brain on why I actually want to be doing this uh, for the kids, the families, Sarah High School. And that's helped me kind of identify what I, I want that culture to be. But I, without the why, personally, um, and, and if it's rooted in winning or something like that, right. it's probably not going to go well because your why could be distorted. Right. There's all sorts of different ways to win. So... I think it's important you know, when, when talking about culture and, and talking about that is to identify why we're doing it and then also what are the measuring sticks, right? right? And I think in today's society, it's easy to get lost in those questions. Big time. So when building culture and in over a 16, 17-year period, you've got to be a, you know, willing to change as well. Right. But I think it's really, really important for, for individuals first, the leader, the head coach, or the CEO, or whatever, to ask, why are we doing this? And hopefully the answer to that question is is not necessarily rooted in, in the, you know, because I want a Porsche, or because I want a, a house, or I want money, or I want my bank account, or I want wins, or yeah. I want state titles, or whatever. Right. I think, it, I think the people who get culture do it for a whole different, holistic, kind of mindful approach onto the time spent in the endeavor. My experience is that I've seen you, you love not only talking about culture, but doing it every day and getting these kids. I mean, this is it's part of your fabric. Now, in the past 17 years, as you said, you've changed. How much have you had to change your culture since the day you started? And do you change it based off the players or the team, team dynamics? Or is it just something that, that something in, innately that you, you think this is the best thing for the program? You know, it's... 
this is going to come off kind of selfish, but it, it's, it's, I don't want it to. It's more like, what am I trying to get out of this? Because, you know, I have a wife, I have kids. Mm. I have, you know, this in, you know, high school football in, in most parts of the country, you're, you're, you're not doing it for money. Is you know maybe Nick Saban and those guys you're getting paid five seven eight million dollars a year so there's a little bit of, there's a different why on that level you know college and NFL is like God I got to pay my mortgage like it's not for most high school coaches it's not that way so I it's it's changed for me as I've changed yeah. and it's it's changed for me as and it's it's healthy it's changed for me as I've as I've grown experience and as I've you know been beat and been on the on the mountaintop and been at the bottom so it's there there's always one thing that that always kind of stays true and that's building relationships and that that'll never change um and if they're built the right way and if they're structured the right way and if it's coming from a you know a happy heartful spot right then i think the outcomes will be positive independent of the traditional american judgment system got it and I think I've had to learn that, you know, when I'm 26 years old and, uh, you know, back then the definition of success for me was the scoreboard, you know, even coming from De La Salle where the definition of success is not the scoreboard, but the scoreboard tends to be on their side of the, of the equation, you know, living it, being the leader and, and, you know, maybe not having a family and kids and any deep rooted relationships yet. It, it's changed that way. Where it's where it's gone away from the, the traditional ways of measurement mm -hmm. into, you know, like am I am I truly creating a culture that my staff, my families, and the kids are ultimately becoming better human beings and making better friendships, and ironically and or not, uh, we have one more when the culture has been built that way as opposed to hey here's how we're going to do to win. So I think the leader, like I'll go back to the selfish piece, mm -hmm. the leader has to be, it has to be about what they're really after. And what I've been really after, at least earlier in my career, was more lost in the American value system or what we would call the scoreboard. Right. Like I'm a better person if we have more points than the other team. Or I'm a worse person <laughs> right. if we have less points than the other team. Right. And realistically, that's got nothing to do with it. So again, I think it goes back to the CEO, it goes back to the head coach, it goes back to that person who's the leader, like, what is that guy trying to get out of this thing, or gal? What, what are they, where are they leading us, and what's the purpose? So as that, as I've grown, that has shifted way more towards building positive relationships, again, like now 16, 17 years in, okay. you look back and it's like, guys are getting married, and the guys in their weddings are actual Sarah football teammates. And that's about as good as a gift a head coach can give to anybody. Right, right. Because that's a life gift. Right. You look back and, you know, after the wedding, like, oh, remember that night we lost? Remember that night we won? No one cares. It's the fact that they're together still. And, and to me, leadership, especially in team sports, should, should be rooted in friendships. Definitely. Relationships. And, and you push that. And you know, obviously, I haven't been around the program when you started, but... I can understand when you start, especially when you start in a culture, you know, the more you win, the more credibility you're going to have with the administration, with, you know, with yeah. the society and public, with the town. But all last year, it was, it was never about the scoreboard for you. And, right. you know, so it's interesting to see how you've changed in your mindset uh, with that. When it comes to culture, what do you, who do you think holds it accountable? 
Yeah, I think it. I think it starts with the, with the, the overall, cultural roadmap, of the program, mm-hmm. and then the actual people living it, meaning the players in our in our situation are the ones that keep culture. They hold it accountable, in my opinion, because, you know, as as much as we can lay the the, the road, we're not the ones driving the car. The coaches, we're not we're not at the movie theater with the kids. We're not in class with the kids. We're not hanging out on the weekends with the kids. It's just, there's a total separation on that. And you hear it a lot. Like, you know, you, you, like if a coach hears the words that the coaching staff is saying in a post interview, Mm -hmm. then you know, it's resonating with those people who are holding it accountable. And then creating that roadmap and, and knowing that because you know, there's been no coach who's ever scored a touchdown in the history of, of football. Right, or right. Made, or made one tackle. Right, right. <laughs> Having the kind of humility to let it go mm-hmm. and let it flourish within the main stakeholders, right. which are the players, and make it about them and allow them the freedom to grow within that structure leads to different kind of cultural trees. Like maybe the, tr- the, the trunk is the same mm-hmm. and the roots are the same. You know, like this is where we want to go. It's going to be, and but at the end of the day, your tree is going to be different than another tree. Right. And then the branches that sprout off of that, when the kids feel like they have the autonomy that's their team, mm-hmm. which I think is a great strength of De La Salle, Coach Ladd, like, you know, has really, you know, kind of allowed us to flourish on our own mm-hmm. um, and take kind of the, the recipe of it. But, you know, this is, this is our journey. You know, we love you, Coach Ladd. You're a great guy. I mean, you know, you won a lot of games and everything, but this is our team. Right, right. He let that happen. A lot of coaches don't let that happen, you know. And I think I, one of our one of our main kind of outcomes at Sarah High School is understanding what humility means. And again, that comes back to the top. Our coaches. This isn't about us. This isn't about me. This isn't my record. This is your team. And there's a level of humility that needs to be infused into, you know, all those all the all the teams, the major stakeholders you asked which are the players that they're the ones at the end of the day, they're the ones that are, you know, actions speak so loudly. I cannot hear what you're saying. They're the ones that are, that are actually at the end of the day, building the culture. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I like it too, that, you know, when I'm working with teams and even when I'm um, speaking to teams that there is a, every team has a culture, but every team, every year is a different team. Mm-hmm. So, it's nice that Coach Ladd and, and yourself, you even though there's a culture in place, you allow the team to kind of create their own little culture because each team is different. Right. And, you know, with Sarah, it, it has its own mission statement. But when I'm working with teams, I like to create a mission statement for that team. Right. For yeah. that year. Right? Yes. Because, yes. you know what I mean? So it's, it's awesome that, that you've kind of been brought up in that mindset. Well, speaking of De La Salle and, and that culture, mm-hmm. how much have you taken if you will from that culture and kind of implemented or integrated in the Sarah culture a lot I mean if it ain't broke don't fix it right and what, what I mean by that is the values and the life lessons and the relationships and everything that a De La Salle football player De La Salle student gets out of the the kind of Spartan experience is so rich and so positive mm-hmm. that I would have been I would be foolish to, um, you know, change the, you know, the core recipe. Now we're in a totally different environment. 
we're in a different league, we're in a different part of the Bay Area, whatever. Right. So I think early on I tried to make it almost duplicate version of it, which was wasn't being myself. Right. Um, there's only one coach lad, there's only, you know, one coach John Wooden, there's only one right coach Bill Belichick. Like I think a lot of young coaches make the mistake of like uh, you know, trying to be them mm. or being the person that mentor. And that makes sense. I mean, it's all you know. If it's all you know, like, why not? If it's, if it's something positive. But right. I think I think the core ingredients are there. But um, I've, you know, added different things to it over time. Different uh, expectations really is, is kind of, I think, something that would be, would be something to be considered. Right. You know, what, what are the expectations? Is it to win 151 games in a row? I mean, that'd be great, right? but that's not realistic. It's not going to happen here. So, but, you know, building, building a set of expectations that, that are realistic and match personality, the leadership personality is huge. Right. So I've had to learn that kind of just through experience. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Now, let's, let's talk about the Sarah culture as it is today. What, what makes up the culture that you've created at Sarah? I think there's, there's a base and core level of trust in our culture that allows us to flourish. And I think, and, I, and I'm very honored and, and humbled to be a part of that kind of organization. And it, it's, it's, either, it's either situational or it's things that we've done or it's luck or fate but in all relationships with its administration or parents or kids or coaches or marriage or whatever, trust has got to be at the forefront of that relationship because so much things are going to happen like in life and you know, the ball is not always going to bounce in your direction All that coach speak stuff. Mm -hmm. And you read in the books, it's like, it's true. And if there's not a level of trust that we're all in this together and we're all headed in the same direction, well then the fabric of the culture will just, will just get detonated. So I think trust is, is that, to me, building trust and, and, and doing that through like genuine love and compassion for that person right. has allowed us to, to flourish and build upon the culture. Right. So if there's anything to me that, that jumps out and jumps off the page to me mm -hmm. is, is you have that trust concept, but really at the end of the day, it starts with faith. So... Faith and trust go; those two words go hand in hand. Definitely, because you there's no there's nothing you can you can actually latch onto when it comes to to trust or faith. Right. So we have to we have to embark on a journey year over year, or over the course of our lifetime with faith at the center. Because I'm, I can't tell you what's going to happen in five seconds. I can't I can't tell you what's going to happen this year. <laughs> right. I can't I can't tell you what's going to happen to this particular team. Um, and that's why that, that kind of frees us up, I think as a society and as a team, like, Hey, just let go. I mean, we don't, we don't know where we're going to be. Yeah. Can't control that stuff. You can't control it. Right. So let it go. Right. Right. And, and if, if you have a, if, if you're living with a glass half full concept, then, then and your faithful journey is going to lead to something positive, right. you know? Right. And if for whatever reason it starts going in a different direction, well, maybe it's time to change course or do something different. So I'm, I'm grateful that. We've been able to create that. We've been able to create that level of trust built on faith. 
Now, we are at a Catholic school, mm-hmm. so it's easy for us to talk about faith, but faith is not necessarily a, a religious, doesn't have to be a religious right. term. So for public school coaches or people that work in industry, it's like, we have faith that this organization is traveling in the right direction and we're doing it together. Exactly. Yeah, it's belief. Yeah, just a belief system. Yeah. And it's it, it, it needs to be guarded against in good times and bad times. So it's easy to talk about it when we're 0-4. Like, hey, you got to have faith. Like, oh, you got to have faith. Like, it's harder to manage a culture when you're 4-0 or 6-0 right. or 7-0 because you start getting fat, lazy, and happy. And, yep. man, we're pretty good. You start reading the press clippings. and Exactly. So I think I think we need to be mindful of of that because that's that's where we get lost in scoreboard stuff. On either side, the scoreboard's like, oh, you lost 50 to 0. Well, your faithful journey is obviously a joke. Right, right. Or you're winning 50 to 0 like, oh wow, this beautiful faithful journey is the best. <laughs> right. Like, ah, oh, it works. So, <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah, we're we're the best. So I think it's you know, I, I and a lot of the, a lot of these things can't be measured until 10, 15, 20 years later. And that and I think that's something that that uh, you know, good leaders kind of can wrap their heads around and awesome, you know. So, well, when you think of the Sarah House, so the the football program, the high school. If a another athlete or an opponent is walking into the house of Sarah, on each pillar of that house, which makes the culture of the house, what do you think each pillar would say? Well, we actually have pillars, I guess. I mean, we, we have a, a concept that we call the path of the spiritual warrior. You know, I, I would like to think that, well, you know, you read, you read a ton of books and there's there's the seven ways to do this and the four ways to do this and the five ways to do that. Like, I actually I actually would hope that, a, that someone would come onto our campus and just feel it. Yeah, you know we do have we do have our pillars, and we I, I could sit here. I'll tell you right now. I, I you know it's faith, commitment, sacrifice, discipline, work ethic, personal accountability, overachievement, self actualization, getting kids to truly believe in themselves and become themselves. How cool is that? Awesome. Um, and and if if teams do that, people do that. This individual journey can lead to love, brotherhood, and humility. Like wow, that's we're making a better society here. Right. That's awesome. Right. Like if we can do that. And so we call it the path of the spiritual warrior. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if there's a spirit amongst that, if it's like not in the, you know, hey, here's the nine things we do. Right, right. Book, whatever, which I'm not discrediting. I think someone's got to write it down. Right. I can't write a book down about, wow, I just felt it. Now, your book would be no pages. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but the ultimate outcome, I believe, would be like, the pillars are just they, they move and they there's no shape to them and then there's a there's like it's just a spiritual kind of thing about it um, and just the way people look and the way people stand the way people work the way people move together in unison in a football team or you know when you watch a great golf tournament or and you see a guy finally overcome uh, something monumental you know something special is happening like wow that you just can't talk about it that's what I'm after. And you can only live it. And that's the beautiful part about it. You can only really truly like just love, live it and feel those pillars. I think some people do drugs and do crazy stuff to, to get that feeling out of life. Right, right. And 
the great thing is in a team sport, especially football, where you got to dig real, real deep, those pillars that you're referring to, if they happen and happen organically and it, there's a spiritual kind of undertone to it right. where you can just only feel it. Can't really put your finger on it, but you're like, when someone might call it the zone or flow, flow zone, yeah. you know, kind of that mindful stuff that yeah. it really means something and resonates that, you know, every athlete that, that has felt it e- even uh, either as a team or as an individual, it's like, oh man, you just... We're after that all the time, man. You put it in a bottle and and, and sell it, you 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 you'd be a billionaire. Right, right. Billion, billion, billionaire. <laughs> right, right. But that's the beautiful thing about it. You can't put it in a bottle. You know, it's interesting. What I'm hearing is that when if a team or athletes are coming to practice, whether going to school, off the field, on the field, with a purpose, mm-hmm. when they're purposeful at what they're doing and they're being relentless on how they're executing on the field or off the field. There becomes this this uh, spiritual feeling. Mm-hmm. And if you have a whole team doing that, they're they're purposeful of getting off the line, pushing that weight, whatever it is. It creates this atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And you can feel it, right? And that and that that feeling is just uh, you know I think humans are we're, we're put on this earth to our souls are here to evolve and get better. And I think life has a weird way of teaching lessons, and it'll be the same lesson over and over until we adapt. You just keep getting punched in the face and, until we adapt. I <laughs> right. mean, it's like, oh, right. sorry. Why does the same crazy stuff happen to the same people? It's like, uh, uh yeah. because this universe is asking you to be better, right? Yeah. I'll never forget in fifth grade, I got 100% on a science test. And I worked so hard on the science test. It was so, it was fifth grade, I'll never forget it. It was the first time I, like, I felt academic achievement. Mm. I was kind of in the zone academically. Like, everything just... You know, I understood the concepts and what the teacher was asking. And I was the only one in the class that got 100%. And I'm like, wow. So achievement can come in so many different forms. Big time. You know, astronomer finds another planet. Like, oh my gosh, I found another planet. How cool would that be? So, I mean, I just think like, (laughs) you know, I think humans are here. And we're here as a collective spirit to evolve and get better. And unfortunately, there's, you know, the Joker as well. And. There's another side of it that is going to be there to pull you down. So that's where, too, you know, you know, we're talking about culture. And it's like, you know, you ask, like, you know, people go off the path and, and, and it, it goes holistically into the fact that we're just trying to create better people. We're trying to create better people through relationships. And we're trying to create better people through relationships through football. That's Sarah culture. That's what we're doing. Um... <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, you know, and sometimes it works well and sometimes it's hard to get the buy-in and it doesn't work well and, you know, it, it, it comes and goes. So, and again, it goes back to the, the people who have the, the accountability and the, the reasons to do it. Right. So it's our jobs as coaches, my job as the, as the head coach, right. to keep that kind of cultural development focus on the right train. Yeah. And 0-4 is a good example of that this year. It's a great example of that. Exactly. So, and it's interesting because, you know, I had I had uh, Coach Vassar, defensive coordinator, on the show, probably about uh, sometime last year, and we talked about one of the things, one of the pillars of your culture, is love. And mm-hmm. Coach Vassar and I were talking about how awesome it was that you have a head coach who 
talks about it every single day about love, loving each other, loving the coaches, loving the athletes, loving mm-hmm. the administration, loving the parents, and you brace love. And it's interesting because when you play this manly sport that's mm-hmm. very machismo focused, yeah. you don't get a lot of head coaches or coaches that every single day, and I've witnessed this, that you end off every practice with, I love you guys. And then when we're talking about, like, right after a game, you're saying, I love you guys. Mm-hmm. And it's all about love. Most coaches would probably, and, and this is generally speaking, in high school football, would probably steer away from that word. Mm-hmm. But why is it so powerful, and, and why do you think it's kind of the fabric of your culture? Well, I mean, we talked about faith. We talked about trust. You know, we, we talked about those as kind of the recipes to a, a, a positive relationship mm-hmm. or, or a fruitful relationship. But that, that mystical, ultimate feeling that we're all after, in my opinion, is love. Mm. Right. I mean, it, it's, you know, I love you. And it is, you say it to your wife or your child or your teammate, like, what's more strong than that? What are you saying? You're saying that you believe in them. You're saying that you're a beautiful person, that your effort is great, that you know everything that you're doing is, is making us us a better couple, a better team, a better group. Like, and, and it also builds that, that element of, of, of trust and, and through passion, passionate energy, that we're all in this together. This isn't like, hey, you guys failed. Or, you guys did great. No, it's like we and we did great. And I think that um, I think people that are afraid of love or I think that they're probably measuring themselves on the scoreboard. Mm. I think people that are afraid of love are like, you know, hey, I made $10 million, you know, you know, maybe they could have made a hundred. They love more people. <laughs> right, right, right. There's no ceiling on success. You know, there's definitely a bottom. Exactly. There's definitely a floor for all of us, yep. which is sad and, and that can go pretty deep. But there's there's no limits to what we can do together. So you know I just on a on a fabric, on the ultimate fabric, the ultimate what we're after culturally is is creating an environment of love. We are a Catholic school. I think Jesus talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously being a little facetious. I mean, right, right. That's everything. Brotherhood is is and sisterhood and creating that environment where that love is enriched you know, together. Um, life's better, best moments are shared, in my opinion. There's a time to go on an individual, you know, backpacking trip through Europe and when you're by yourself, but ultimately everything should be shared. And then doing that all with a kind of general sense of humility, like understanding that there are forces bigger than us, that, that there are things that we can't control, uh, that there are uh, things in life that are that are put there as obstacles that are a lesson and looking at it that way as opposed to falling in some other different trap of, you know, blaming people and not taking accountability and, you know, slipping into that dark world. Um, and if we can achieve that as a team year over year, then I, I think there's, you know, the sky's the limit. And then hopefully those kids, you know, they're 18, 19, 20, they go somewhere else and they have the same concept and they're business is better or their relationships are better so you know I, I wouldn't say that that's at the forefront of like it's it's more I live in the now people ask me with my business hey what's your three five ten year plan? I don't have it I don't you know I'd get thrown on a business class for answering the question that way right right but I don't have a three-year plan right. I don't have a five-year plan for Sarah football 
I have a one moment plan. And that plan is to make that moment the best it can be for our culture. And that's beautiful because I remember uh, a couple years when I started uh, with the program, you read a, uh, a quote to the team that Dalai Lama stated, and it was a two days you don't live in, and it's yesterday and tomorrow. Right. You know, and, and that stuck with me, and, and it just, it reinforces kind of your mindset of kind of how you coach and how you live your life in the moment. Yeah. And, I, and you know, uh, if you talk to my wife about my calendaring and, and scheduling uh, <laughs> capabilities, <laughs> that's why we have a team, right? I mean, right, right. I mean it, it is, it, it can be... Uh, you know, you can get lost in that as well, too. I think there's that kind of single-minded focus that can almost blind me at times Mm. and blind people like that at times. At times. And there can be a level of selfishness that's that's tied to it Mm. that is fair on some level and maybe unfair on other levels. Um, But it's something to be, you know, every everyone's strength is is also their weakness. So I think... Although it's a, it's a, living in the moment is a, is a precious and, and, and there's too many people that don't live in the moment, I think. And, uh, you know, nostalgia and looking back is, I think you can learn lessons from the past, but, uh, people worried about tomorrow and what's going to happen the next day. Like that, that's, that's not positive, but, um, there are some traps and pitfalls, but there's really living in the moment is, it just seems the right thing to do at all times. Yeah. It's what you can control. Yeah, you know, it's true. That's exactly true. Can't control tomorrow or just what just happened. So, no, that's that's great. It's awesome. Let's let's talk a little bit about this past season. Um, obviously, you went zero and four, or we went zero and four. Yeah, and ended up winning ten games in a row, going to state for the first time. How did this team live the culture even when we started off zero and four? What? Would, how did this team still? buy into the culture and still believe that, and we'll get into s- certain things that happened through the season, which are milestones of why this culture is so strong and why it existed. But from your pers- perspective, how does this team overcome all the ad- adversity? Yeah, I mean, it's a testament to them. It's a testament to their relationships, you know, their families, their parents, uh, the school. Yeah. It, it, it's not a, a one-word or a one-thing answer when a culture hangs together. There's, there's such a deep-rooted tradition and belief and things that, that I think tied into this entire kind of 0-4 thing. The coaching staff didn't start pointing fair. There wasn't like a, you know, a, a coach that's in the corner like, all right, you know, now that the wheels are falling off here, I got you. I'll take care of you. Right, right. So the coaching staff hung together. The administration of the school wasn't like, hey, what's going on with the team? Like, you seem to be a little bit misguided. Mm, right. And you guys are failing. It's like no, we're not failing because we're building, we're building men. Like maybe it's better. <laughs> right. This zero and four thing is good. Right. It hurts, but it, like this gives us an opportunity to, to really develop this thing and really talk about it. Like I said, it's easy to do it when you're four and zero or ten and zero. You're like ah, right. you know. <laughs> so, uh, I I I felt all of that happening uh, during the moment, and, and it's like to me, it's a. Uh, it's a humbling experience to be a part of a, a culture, a, a leadership group, a coaching staff, a parent group, the kids, kind of all in it together like this is okay. You know, we, we uh, I have a saying, I always call it the misery. Yes. And, uh, you know, you, you can say that to anything, like, you know, Oakland A's lose a game, the misery. Or right. Something really bad happens, like, oh my gosh, the misery. It's just, 
it's kind of like an easy way to break down. It's universal. It's a, a universal yeah. kind of, and it's okay to be miserable. Like, it's part of life. I mean, it's going to happen. Now, we don't want to live miserably, but, right. <laughs> right, but right. if you're afraid of being miserable, yeah, then you're not seeing the world for what it can be. You know, the, those, those painful times are where most of the growth happens. So as we were getting crushed and as we were becoming more and more miserable, we were also becoming tighter. Because we had a, a, a deeper perspective on why we were doing this. You know, maybe we we're going to be 0 and 10. Whatever. At the end of that 0 and 10, though, the, the level of what we were trying to accomplish as a team was always going to be there. Because 0 and 10 is simply just a, it's something that, you know, you play a game, you keep scoring, and what does that mean? Well, you didn't win any games. Right. But what else does it mean? No, it means you hung together. It means you're still a great team. Right. You still have each other. You know, that's a beautiful thing. There's 10 and no teams that have, that aren't together. You just have great athletes, you know, a bunch of selfish people who are talented. Like, are they any better than the 0 and 10 team on the scoreboard? Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, but I love the fact that, you know, those, those different kind of, uh, groups never, ever really wavered. And that's the beauty of the season. That is the beauty of the 0 and 4 is, is our relationships were so tight. You know, we could see, we could see the forest through the trees or whatever. That's, yeah, we could see the, the tree is like, oh, we're terrible. But the forest is, wow, we're doing really special things here together. The forest, the, the also, I think, you know, we, we had some injured people. We played some really good teams, none of which were made into excuses, but they're reality. Yeah. They added to our misery. Right. And then we uh, we got into league, playing great teams. People got healthy. And because the fabric of the system never wavered, that we were doing this together, good or bad, we overcame it. Exactly. So, and there might be a season where we don't overcome it. And I'm still going to be like, all right, let's go. Let's get miserable here. Let's figure this out. So, I don't know. It was a, it was a fun... I wouldn't want to do it every year, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> It was a it was a fun uh, learning experience that I'll never forget as as a coach. Yeah, I'll never forget it. Yeah, you know what I want the what my listeners to listen to and coaches out there, and that what I think was one of the special things from seeing a head coach, not only believing in what we were doing regardless we were own for, but it was the mindset of the culture that you've instilled within the program. That after 0 and 4, and it wasn't like we were losing by a touchdown or two. I mean, we were yeah. we were getting our butts kicked. We were getting demolished. Demolished. And I remember going into the fifth game, you came into the coaching staff to the meeting and said, Hey, you guys ready to go to the playoffs? And I was sitting there going, Wow. Yeah. You know, and to have a head coach to lead that. Now, I, I want you to talk a little bit about the turkey sweaters that you wear. Yeah. Because I think that's huge for the culture. But even at that time, at the end of the 0-4, going into that fifth game, what you did with the coaching staff, what you did with the, with the team, but the things you did with the parents and the administration as far as writing these emails and getting everyone on board. All right. Letting go of the 0-4. We're moving forward and we're going to go to the playoffs. Right. And it just it, it takes a lot of gumption, a lot of... Uh, a lot of heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, the, for this year, they moved up the playoff system to where if you played in the section championship game, any team would actually play on Thanksgiving weekend. Mm. 
So I was like, oh, that's awesome. Right. You know, because they it used to be December 2nd. Now it's the last weekend of November, which is Thanksgiving weekend. And I was like, wow, one of the coolest things for football teams is to practice on Thanksgiving. Because that means your season's still going. <laughs> right. right. You hadn't lost and right, right. You're, you're playing for a championship. Right. So... I, I I wore the I wore a turkey sweater in June, right at the first practice. Like it's a happy Thanksgiving. It's called the Holy Trinity. It has a, you know, a turkey leg, a, a piece of pie, and a football, like which is, you know, I think football is synonymous with 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 Thanksgiving. Right. I mean, right. gosh, come on. Yeah. Sorry, cowboy fans, but it's always great seeing them lose on Thanksgiving. But uh, uh, anyway, but hey, I'm gonna watch the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving for the rest of my life. Right. I love it. It's part of what we do. Yeah. But I, I wanted to create that kind of imagery, that imagery. And, and I believe goals, you know, there's, there's smells to goals. You can touch a goal. You can, you know, if you can really wrap, you know, uh, an image around what our goals are, uh, I think that's, that's, I think leaders should do that. You know, like if, if the goal is money, then like come up with a bunch of hundred dollar bills and lay in it. Right. Like we're, we're, we we need to get this. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, so for us, it was practicing on Thanksgiving means we're playing for the section championship game. And so I kind of felt like because we were 0-4, like people are just losing sight of that. It's not possible. So let's go do the impossible. And so I put I put a picture of a turkey on a, on a Word document, and I said, we're going to practice on Thanksgiving, and here's the ways we're going to do it. And I sent it to everybody. The parents, the administration, the kids, the coaches, and I still wanted to. I wanted people to still believe that that's because it was still attainable. Like, don't lose sight of that. Like, this is what we're going this direction. And um, even though we're zero and four, I still felt like we were headed in that direction because we didn't falter. I never would have made a picture of that turkey or done that, or or or, or had done if the administration had me in their office. Like, tell me what's going on here. You know, like what, what's happening? We're a little embarrassed. Um, or if the coaches were, we had coaches meetings where the guys were like, yeah, we should have done more in the summer. And, you know, you really, you know, like you're a bad leader because of this or the kids, most importantly, the kids weren't, they weren't at each other's throats. We weren't having fights on the field. We weren't, I wasn't getting emails from parents. Like I felt strength in the O and four, which was so cool. And then I thought the timing was good and it was I want you to print this out and put it on your, your hope chest, your message board, your <laughs> refrigerators, your garage, everywhere. We had a couple of team dinners this year and to, to actually go there and see the picture of the turkey. Yeah, yeah. Like in the garage was yeah. a really cool thing. You know, because that means moms are on board. Yeah. I mean, you get the moms on board in a yeah. football environment, like we're going to go somewhere. Right. So awesome. it, it was great, man. I'll, that You know, there's there's always... Uh, you know, leadership things and motivational things that you try, you try that work, try that don't work. You know what I mean? Right. So in hindsight, I'll never forget that because it actually worked. Exactly. You know, I mean, it was not that just it, but the concept of it, it did. actually practicing on Thanksgiving was so special. And, you know, wear, wearing the Holy Trinity turkey sweater. Exactly. Uh, was just so just, I didn't even have time to really look back on it, but just, wow, what a magical thing. Well, and you've embedded that in the culture, and, and the team of 2016 can will always remember that. And not only the team, the coaches will, but I want my listeners to understand, when you're coach on the football field, when it's 95, 99 degrees outside, 
you're probably not going to be wearing a sweater with a turkey on it. Well, right. well this coach did. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, just creating that image and, and the direction mm-hmm. of, of where we were headed that year was really important to me. So, and I, you know, I wear funky things and it's, yeah. it kind of, it's a, it's a different, I don't know if the right word is dichotomy, but it's, it's, well, there's only one way to play this game and that's vicious and tough and angry and, yeah. and you got to get dirty and you got to feel pain. And this is the one sport where you got to do all that stuff and you got to sacrifice and it's just not fun. That's why I kind of wear funky things. It's kind of like, well, really, is it really that bad? Like, let's have some fun with this journey here, man. Like, this, like there's no reason to be miserable. So I, I like to wear funky, they call them oppo suits, you know, and just <laughs> come in with a weird suit and just, what is he doing? Like, right. Just remind everyone that this, this is fun. Exactly. Why, why, do, why, why get involved in an endeavor that's, that's miserable, which football is, but also being miserable in it? Exactly. You know, your job's not always going to be positive. It's, there's going to be some miserable times, but if, if we as a, as a society aren't dealing with it positively, then, then why do it? Go do something else. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and it's it, you're right. I mean, the game of football is you know play tough, get after it, roll up your sleeves, and you know regardless if you're if you're hurt or not, you got to play this game. Well, the interesting about you, and I've talked about this um, many times with you, is that with what you've done with the culture, your style has so much range to it. So yes, you are very intense. You are you push people to hit their goals. You push the culture every day. But you also understand there's a there's a human side of our life. Yeah. Right. It's not all about being a warrior. It is, but but you you know you wear these these funky suits to practice. Um, you sometimes you throw out music. You know, we're warming up. You're you have so much range. You're not one note. And I think sometimes a lot of high school coaches get so stuck in being tough and being you know rolling up your sleeves and that's all you have to do. You, you bring a different flavor, and that's what makes this culture thrive. Right, and, and I think it's just being truthful to who I am as a leader, and we can go back to an earlier conversation we are having about, you know, a young coach, me at 26, trying to be Coach Ladd. Right. You know, Coach Ladd is the most successful, one of the most successful high school football coaches ever, and his natural personality is very stoic. Uh, he's a you know, on the field at least. I mean, he's, he's funny. He's one of the funniest guys I know, but you, you'd never know that as a player. Um, he, you know, looks kind of miserable all the time, <laughs> which he's not. But right, right. again, this is, you know, I'm breaking down, you know, my mentor, the guy I look up to more than anybody would be Coach Ladd, uh, you know, high school football coaching legend. And it's like, okay, I need to be that guy. So I come in 26 years old. I'm miserable. I'm stoic. You know, and I'm like, that's, you know, I'm like, I know it works. It works for him. It's got to work for me. Right, I was right. kind of mean, you know, but Coach Ladd, it was like, that That led to me being mean, which I'm not a mean person. Neither is Coach Ladd, so he, his concept of being mean is not mean. Right. But if I'm acting like Coach Ladd, I'm going to be mean and literally be a mean person. And then ultimately over time, through experience, like, and then knowing that, and people, and Ladd told me, like, all these, the, the experienced guys, just, just be yourself. Like, well, no, that's scary. I don't want to just be myself. I want to be you because you're successful. Like, you know, it's like, just be yourself. I've allowed that to happen. And the more I've just been allowed to be myself, I've built deeper relationships with people because I'm being authentic. Exactly. 
exactly. authentic to who I am as a person. The culture's gotten better because the authenticity of the culture is real. It's not fake anymore. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I build a house and I have a backyard where I want people to be happy. Like, ultimately, we're going to spend a lot of time together here. Like, why be miserable? <laughs> right. Like, if my personality was a super miserable person and it, and it works, well, then be miserable. But that's not my personality. So I want, I want people to, to like, want to show up to work. Yeah. I want people to want to show up to, to be a part of this thing. And, and they know that they're in a safe environment where they can grow and become better. Got it. And that's, that's kind of what I kind of try to do on a daily basis. I'm not perfect. I fail a bunch. A lot. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, if, if the environment is set that way with authenticity, then the culture can thrive. Exactly. Exactly. What's interesting about when you talk about failure, uh, I always take this quote from... Uh, from David Chappelle, he says, uh, failure is informative. And if you don't understand, if you haven't reflected on your failure so you can get better, well, then shame on you. Yeah. You know? Again, that's, uh, that's life having a, it's, it's thumb on everything. Yeah. And that just kind of the soul is, is here to graduate and it, it can be bad. It can be vicious if, if it's, if those lessons aren't adhered to. Right. And identified. And it's painful to look in the mirror. It's, it's, it's hard. And, uh, but the, the more one tries to avoid the mirror and the reality, what we would call personal accountability, it's just going to be, it's going to be a car accident. It's going to be a, I lost my job. It's going to be a, oh, I met this crazy person. It's just going to, it's just going to show itself in a different way until, and the sad thing is, or the good thing is, depending on how you look at it, once you figure that out, something else is going to come up. Exactly. <laughs> right? Always something. Uh, there's always something, and that's okay, man. I, I think that's okay. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a more positive, rich way to, to deal with the realities that things are going to be tough. When we're talking about culture, obviously culture for the team, the program, talk to me a little bit about the culture of the coaching staff because you do have, not necessarily rules, but you have... Uh, a model in place, the ABCs of coaching. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, the hardest thing to do for a high school football coach is to nail a positive staff, nail a great staff, because there isn't really contracts that go with it, and it's hard to create a life, especially in San Francisco Bay Area. It's hard to create a life for coaches. Whereas, hey, here's a non-campus job, and here's you know a job that pays you well enough to live here, and benefits, and... And also, you're going to coach football, and it's going to be a magical life. I mean, it's, I mean, the hardest thing, and the, probably the biggest issues that I've faced in the in the 17 years I've been at Sarah is related to other adults and dealing with coaches. And so, I think that's like the, the top of the the family, if you will. It's the mom, the dad. You know, it's kind of the, the higher yeah people up there. And if we're not together, we're gonna we're gonna fail. I have a no drama, no adult drama policy. That's her. <laughs> right. And, and I've, I just, I can deal with kids failing, making mistakes. That's why we got hired. I can deal with parents who, who are struggling and, and, or, you know, whatever, you know, parents get a bad knock, I think these days, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, those parents are crazy. Like, I think they get a bad, they get a bad rap parents. 
Like, why are they crazy? Well, they love their kids. Right. That's okay. So there's there's goodness behind why they're crazy. So let's talk about it. Like, let's talk about what, what, what are your hopes and dreams for your kid? Okay, I want him to be the starting quarterback at USC. So do I. <laughs> right. Wow, we're on the same team. Right. Amazing. <laughs> if your kid is the starting quarterback at USC someday, we're probably going to have a good team. Right, right. Because that means he's good enough to go to USC. So we're on the same page. I think it's kind of, you know, kind of like dealing with that. But the coaching staff, uh, it needs to be, everyone needs to be rowing in the same boat. Because, and that's so much, that's so easier said than done. It's unbelievable. Because adults have their own hopes and dreams and concepts and, you know, buy-in from the singular focus needs to be a part of the hiring plan. Like, I don't know you. You don't know me. Here's what we do. Here's where we're going. Can you buy into that and do it all the time? And when things get bad, I need you know, I'm not dealing with your drama. Right, right, right. Because if I got to deal with your drama, then I'm going to put someone else in here who wants to be here. Or not. I'd rather be with three people that are on board than 15 people that aren't. So I think it's a, it's been a focus of mine since, and that, that's been a learned, lived focus. Where I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going to hire this guy. He's going to be great. And it's just been miserable. So it's, I think coaches need to, be, need to make sure that the right people are on board. So, and then, and then you know, if they understand that this is about relationships this is and they're not scoreboard oriented and you know like everyone says don't don't have a job for the next job do the best you can while you're sitting in this chair like working with this group of kids yeah well then we're good good and then we're good and one of the things i have is abc always be coaching and there's a fraternal atmosphere around coaching it's very easy to get a group of guys together and next thing you know they're talking to each other and and they're hanging out and there's like a group of, you know, 16, 17 year old kids who need leadership. So ABC is always be coaching. Okay. Hey, after practice, you want to hang out? Go ahead. Before practice, you want to hang out? Awesome. We want that. We want to hang out. Yeah. But during that two, two and a half hour practice, don't talk to each other. Yeah. What are you going to talk about? And if it is, it's about scheme, right? You better be talking about scheme or the drill or yeah. how you're fitting up a block or how to carry a football. I mean, it, it, you know, so that's the one thing that pet peeve, it drives me nuts. Right. And it, sometimes it happens in weight training. Sometimes it happens in post-practice conditioning. Yep. Like, oh, it's post-practice conditioning. Let's go hang out. Like, no, those kids are working. Right, right. So anyway, yeah. So right. we, the ABC thing is always be closing. That's Glenn Gary, Glenn yeah. Ross, I think. Yeah. So it's like you always got to be coaching. closing. And that, for us, it's always be coaching. Your mindset as a head coach, and, and I experienced this for the last couple of years, how do you develop this mindset every single practice? The moment that either, I don't know if it's when you get out of your car or when you get in or out of the coach's room, but once you're heading to that football field, something switches on you that you're like, it's, it's like, it's like almost game day for you, but you're consistent every day about, let's go, let's do this. And there's a, there's a tone and there's a tempo every single day there's not one day even when you're wearing your your suits yeah you know and you're having fun you're, you're still pushing what we need to get done how do you do that every day i just you know time is precious to me and that that two hours two and a half hours on the field with 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 the sarah family is two two and a half hours away from my own family and i don't want to waste a minute of that i don't want to waste time 
You know, I I don't want you to have a three four hour practice. I want to I want to get on the field. I want to be efficient. I want to get things done. I always want to be improving, and that's just kind of I think it's an innate thing in me. But it's more of like just being wasteful. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want I don't want to be a wasteful person with my time. There's times to chill out, and there's times to to relax, and there's there's you know I try to you know go on a vacation and just get away and and those sort of things. But when you walk through those gates. That's not a time to take a vacation. It's not a time to like be in the fraternity playing cards or something. Like, no, this this is a time, you know, to to work. So I think I'm just mindful of that. I'm not, that's like kind of living in the moment stuff. Yeah. And it's not living in the moment like, oh wow, look at that beautiful like you know moonbeam, <laughs> right. which I love moonbeams. Don't get me wrong, but it's more like, like let's the, the moment right now is is going to be painful, and we're going to hit the sled, and it's going to be hot, and we're going to be miserable. We're going to love it. We're going to love every minute of that thing. And uh, we're going to do it together. And the same thing, we're going back to the, the, the trunk of the tree. I think it's a nice kind of, the trunk and the roots is like, this is what we do. And we're gonna, it's going to be our journey, and we're going to love every minute of it. So that's, to me, to me, it's just, I hate wasting time, man. I don't know. It's just something that I think every moment needs, needs to be, you know, spent in a, in a, in a directional way. And when that moment gets off the rails, I, I just feel weird. Like I start, you know, like when coaches try to come talk to me, like, hey, did you watch the Niner? Like, <laughs> like it just, it's creepy. Right. Like you're creeping me out. Like I don't know what you're doing. Like I'm trying to work with the line there. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I feel bad. I even told you that at the end of the last year. Like, man, I'm sorry. Like if I didn't like make you feel welcome or like right. I'm grateful that you're here as a coach. Like, yeah. come on. But I'll, I never do that. I, I don't do that. I don't have time for that. After practice, you know, you, everyone, you know, if guys are chilling and I don't have kids or whatever, like, thank you, I'm going to pick up my kids. Exactly. Which can be, like I said, that can be construed like, whoa, this is weird. Right. But it's just kind of just understanding that, that we, we, we need to spend all of our time here together getting better. That's, that's the, the purpose. That's right? where it comes from. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we close up here, I want to ask you one more question. Since you have, I know you have more than 17 years of coaching. You got, what, 20? 21. 21. So what would you say to a brand new head coach, first-time head coach at at the high school level, what would you say to them as far as advice going into their first year? It it would be be authentic. You know, be you. Set a vision. Set a vision on where you want your organization to go and hopefully it's not like having to do with banners or trophies or rings I would say definitely steer away from that and uh, you know you really can't promise that either there's other people that want to have a banner trophy and a ring too but so I would focus on things that are away from those measuring sticks and and then just be authentic to the journey just be authentic with yourself and uh, people people gravitate to. There's a reason why that person got hired over other people. So you're a good young coach. You know, adhere to the, your principles. Be yourself. Make an authentic journey for your people, not rooted in traditional, what you would think would be a successful journey. And I think that person would have a, a, a fruitful, you know, season or career. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I do this every every podcast at the very end. I always promote a book, and this book is is really, really timely with, with what we're talking about. This book is called 
Culture Defeat Strategy, Seven Lessons on Leadership from a Texas High School Football Coach. And the author is Randy Jackson, who's actually the, the football coach. And if you're a coach, if you're a football player, and you really want to uh, be exposed to how you create culture, how you sustain it, how you protect it, this book is a really good book. It, this coach, Randy Jackson, had coached multiple, multiple teams within, within Texas, and every, almost every single team, he would take them to the playoffs. So this is awesome because he talks about how you, how you actually ingrain certain things in creative ways on a daily basis with the coaches, with the football program. So when you have a free moment, uh, check out this book. You will love it. And Coach, man, I, um, I truly love you, and I truly love uh, what you say and what you've done. I can't wait to see your career going to look like moving yeah. forward. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I love you too, man. Thank you.